Hi, and welcome to Wild Milk Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. And I'm Susan. Come hang out with us as we talk true crime, hauntings, aliens, cryptids, and everything paranormal, weird, or unexplained. I'm good. good. I'm Caroline. I'm Ty. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. What's your shirt say? Haunted Nights. Oh, (laughs) I thought it was like a logo for you. No, listen, my merch is still in the process of being made, so this is second best. (laughs) That's awesome. At least you are going to have merch. That's a big deal. Yeah, I'm really nervous. (laughs) Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. So we uh, already did our intro. So Hannah, if you kind of want to tell us uh, about what you do and how long you've been doing it and kind of get started, that'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Hannah. I'm a 22-year-old paranormal investigator. I'm originally from Las Vegas, Nevada, but I grew up in the Pacific Northwest Seattle area. I've been a paranormal investigator going on eight years now. Um, so a good chunk of my life and I've, you know, traveled all over the country, investigated some of the coolest, most haunted locations in America. I'd like to think, you know, I've been to Waverly Hills, uh, West Virginia Penitentiary, um, old hospital on College Hill, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, some really amazing places. And I also... I usually have some of my Ouija board collection behind me, but uh, we're moving right now, so <laughs> no fear. <laughs> That's it's okay. a theme because Chloe was moving when she came on, and you're moving, so I'm starting to think that everybody has to come on in the process of them moving. Like, it's just going to be a thing. You know what? It's okay. It's like, you know what? This is my life right now. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> Perfect timing. Right? I I thought I saw that you had a picture together with Courtney. Have you met Courtney? Yes. Yes. So have, have you have you done an investigation together? Yes. So um the Waverly Hills investigation that I did back in March was set up by a mutual friend of ours, um, Steve. And we all, he kind of got a group of his little internet friends together and he was like, hey, y'all want to go to Waverly Hills? And we were all like, we've never met this dude. He might murder us, but yes, we want to go to Waverly Hills. Um, <laughs> worth the risk. <laughs> worth the risk. Everyone in my life might like, get murdered. What Still now? get to investigate Waverly. It'll be fine. No, everyone's like, you're doing what now? And I'm like, I'm just going to go to Kentucky and meet this dude I've never met from the internet before. It's, it's going to be fine. We're going to be in an abandoned building for like 12 hours. It'll be great. This is the opposite of stay sexy, don't get murdered, just for the record. Right? You know, it's fine. Uh, But yeah, Courtney was one of the people that I got to meet um, on that investigation. And I didn't get to investigate with her as much as I would have liked to. So I think we've got a couple of events coming up together in the next couple of months. So hopefully I get to spend more time with her. Yeah, I want to meet Courtney. We haven't even met Courtney in real life. 
We haven't even met each other in real life because that's just, just what pandemic life is, apparently. Right. Like, all of the friends, like, literally the only friends that I didn't make during the pandemic, there's, like, two of them. That's it. Like, everyone else, I'm like, I met you during the pandemic, and now we're all spooky and investigate weird haunted locations together. And we live hundreds of miles away from each other, so we'll never see each other on a regular basis. Perfect. Some of the some of the best friends that I've made are internet friends, so. They're 110% the best friends you can make, like, without a doubt. Like, Steve, Courtney, our friends Mark and Deanna, my friend Brittany, all of us, uh, Matt Warner from Warner Paranormal Explorers, little spook squad, like, like, those are your people. I love it. What are you going to talk to us about today? Yeah, so I was going to talk about um, West Coast haunts, because a lot of times you hear more about you know, East Coast haunts and that part of the United States is definitely, you know, a lot more embedded in history. So it has a lot of, you know, the well-known locations. But there's a couple of ones out in the Pacific Northwest that you don't hear a lot about that are amazing. So I would love to share that with you guys. I'm excited, I'm excited. to hear it. <laughs> yeah. The My favorite haunt out here, it's a hospital up in Colfax, Washington, now, kind of when you think of like the West Coast and like the Pacific Northwest, a lot of places don't really come to mind since they're not very much at the forefront of, you know, the paranormal community. Um, I think like the most well-known in like Seattle area would probably be like Kell's Irish Pub because it was featured on Ghost Adventures. Um, <laughs> but uh, this one actually was featured on Ghost Adventures as well. But I was there uh, last month, and this is St. Ignatius Hospital. And it was the first hospital built in the inland northwest by the Sisters of Charity. So it was uh, by nuns and run by nuns. And it was built in 1892, finished in 1893. And it was in operation until, I want to say, like the mid-60s when unfortunately they had to close down because they couldn't keep up with the cost of like modernizing the hospital and keeping up with, you know, the building and everything, which is unfortunately all too common with a lot of historical buildings. Um, originally the hospital was run out of a little tiny wooden house um, in the back of where the main hospital building stands now because they the nuns wanted to be able to treat patients while the main hospital was being built. So there was about three nuns treating patients back in the late 1800s out of a house that was probably smaller than my basement is now. Wow. And uh, their first patient that they treated back in 1892, I believe, while the hospital was being built, was a patient with pneumonia. Um, they also have, so after the hospital was in operation, they also opened up a nurse's school, the St. Ignatius Nursing School behind the main hospital building, where the first two male nurses in Washington State actually graduated from. Their names were Philip Crome and Archie McKilnick. Um, and this the main building itself is massive. It's like 50,000 square feet. It's five stories. It's huge, beautiful, beautiful building. Um, it was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures back in, I want to say, 2020 or 2019. Um, 
I just wish people could see facial expressions on a podcast. <laughs> I'll get into why I'm making those facial expressions in a bit. Because let me tell you, I learned some tea. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. First, I think everybody knows the facial expressions that exist when anybody mentions ghost adventures. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Second, I'm really excited to learn the tea. And third, I just want to go ahead and disclaim that, like, I love ghost adventures. I do, too. In, like, a really, like... I love it, but I also can't resist making fun of it kind of way. <laughs> well, like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, pretend that I'm just going to trash talk it for fun. Because, like, Ghost Adventures is absolutely the reason that I figured out that investigating was something I could do. I'm not going to sit here and pretend Zach Bagans didn't push paranormal investigating to the forefront of what it is now. Because he absolutely did. It's I'm just old school and a Ghost Hunters girl, so it's Jay and Grant for me. I love Jane Grant. But Zach came along and like, just, he does his own thing and he's hysterical. And, but I cannot resist making fun of the tiny t-shirts and the the whole, <laughs> the thing, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But no, oh my God. He, he's just so easy to make fun of Zach. It but is. I will get back to that. So um, a couple of like the... Uh, you know, hauntings that have been reported or, you know, spirits that you can, you know, interact with at the hospital. Um, one is the first fatality who was crushed by heavy machinery back when the hospital was being built. Um, and then the second one, which I had several encounters with when I was at the hospital, her name is Rose. And Rose has her own room on the third floor of the hospital where uh, she did pass away when she was, you know, living at the hospital. And she was a schizophrenic patient. And she had a habit of talking to her finger throughout the day, like it was her friend. Um, and unfortunately what happened is Rose's medication stopped working. So she had to be moved to the violent patients ward within St. Ignatius. And she passed away in her room. Wasn't violent death. It wasn't you know, wasn't murder, at least not that I was told. Um, but she's a very, very active spirit. Uh, when I was up there, there was um, a point in time when I was setting up, I was getting ready to do an Instagram live and I was just going to run some EVP sessions before I went back and joined other people in my group. And um, I heard this, I want to say Rose's room is maybe like eight by nine feet with like a little tiny bathroom off the side, pretty standard hospital size room. Mm -hmm. And I heard what sounded like a female voice going, what are you doing? While I was like setting up my uh, tripod. And I was like, cause it was so clear. I thought that, you know, another one of my group members had come in and was like, Hey, what you doing? And I was like, hello. <laughs> um, and obviously no one answered me. And I turned around in time to see this black shadow kind of duck back into the room across the hall for me. So I was like, this seems like a great time to pull out my recorder. Cause I don't, I don't like any of this happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I pulled out my SB seven and I pulled out my digital recorder and I usually like to have those things going at the same time because you know, there's so much bias when it comes to using a spirit box I prefer the digital recorder over that, but you can never go wrong with one. So, and 
I got an EVP on my recorder going, it's Rose, Rose, Rose. So Rose's name three times in a row. Um, and then pretty much right after that, um, I had just been getting like dead static on my SB7, like not even like channel jumping happening at that point. And a lady's voice just goes, hey, like right after the EVP ends. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> it was it was wild for sure. Um, and I had I was in there with a couple other group members later on in the night. And we had set up my music box. I have a paranormal music box, which I hate with a burning passion, but I use it anyway. Um, Roll it back. Roll it back. You're going to have to explain the paranormal music box to us. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, cool. So the paranormal music box, it's a motion sensor. And it is essentially the devil's spawn because anytime it's activated, it plays the creepiest, most demonic sounding music like, they could not have chosen a worse song to play on this gosh darn motion sensor. That's why I like my REM pod so much. It just beeps at me. It doesn't make it sound like Chucky's about to, like, come out of a room and, like, kill me. <laughs> um, so, essentially, it, do, it kind of functions in the same way as the REM pod, where as if, you know, something comes in close contact with it, it sets it off. I've never had this music box pretty much continuously just go and go and go. Like something was just like standing right in front of it. I went and calibrated it like three times. So I'm like, there's no way it's not working. It's broken. Like great. 500 bucks down the drain. Great. Let me just go fix this. Um, so it's $500 for a device that just terrifies you because <laughs> somebody did some really good marketing. <laughs> It was really impulse decision. I was going to West Virginia and I was like, I need something other than this REM pod. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to face my fears and buy a music box. Worst decision I ever made, but also totally worth it. But now you spent the $500, so you just have to let it terrify you. Yeah, it's all, well, I, okay, to be fair, <laughs> I've used it so much this summer. I'm kind of immune to it at this point. And I more enjoy seeing other people's face who have no idea what they're in for. When I turn it on, I'm just like, yes. Now I kind of want to hear it. Right? I mean, I'm more than happy to go get it for you if you'd like. Go get it. We have to hear yeah, it. Yeah, no, we have to hear it. <laughs> we're so like, excited. we're high maintenance. We have to hear it. <laughs> I mean, if she has it available, I definitely want to hear it. Y'all made me run so fast for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what editing's for. You didn't have to run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> We can edit that out, girl. We can make edit. a deep breath. You're fine. <laughs> Man, I'm out of shape. Okay, cool. Oh, look. <laughs> Caroline like hikes and stuff, and like, and like I, Fun. I like. Well, yeah. See, see exactly. I'm like, it's hot, and I will walk to the car. That's it. That's where through a parking lot is as far as I'm going. It's hot. To be fair, I don't hike when it's hot out. <laughs> I only hike in the fall. <laughs> okay, that is fair. Yeah, no, those when we were at Waverly Hills, it was like once every five minutes, like, God, more stairs. <laughs> God, no one was like ready for this. And then you have to do that thing where you like go up the flight of stairs and then like try not to like breathe loudly so nobody else knows that you're dying inside. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Stand there going, 
<sighs> Sorry, guys. I'm really scared right now. Just give me a minute. I gotta you gotta play it off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is a paranormal music box. It's shaped like a little coffin. Of course it is. So the sensor's right here at the end, and essentially when you turn it on, I don't. I'm gonna try and like hold it close so you guys can actually hear it. It's gotta calibrate. So yeah, it's the devil's spawn. I'm obsessed. Isn't that a horror movie theme song though? It might be. I'm not 100% sure, but it, it sounds al- enough like the ha- I think like the Halloween music. That's what it sounds like. That's what it reminds me of. It's probably not the same, but that's what it reminds me of. And I just love that they were like we should make it scary. I know, like, it's the worst thing in the world. Like, back when we were talking about what was going to happen at Waverly, like, every, like, it was, like, a thing that, like, Steve knew, like, how much I hated these things. He was like, I'm going to leave you alone on the fourth floor of Waverly Hills and put a music box at each end so you're trapped and can't leave without setting one off. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay, rude. (laughs) Didn't end up happening. Really starting to question Steve's motives here. You know what? After being his friend for a year, you kind of realize that, like, this is just who he is, and you need to accept it and move on. <laughs> I love that it's coffin-shaped. Is it coffin-shaped? It is. Yeah, it's a little coffin. They really went all out with this thing. You know, they really did. I first saw this on uh, Destination Fear, and I was like, that thing's terrifying. Like, I'm... You'll never catch me using one of these things ever. And then Steve has two and they were at Waverly Hills. And I was like, yeah, you're really never going to catch me ever going anywhere near one of these. I'm just like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that thing was $500 and he has two. I just feel like what you're saying is to be a paranormal investigator, you have to be like. Ready to invest some freaking money. I mean, sounds expensive. If you want to go all out and get, like, the gear and the equipment, absolutely. Like, unfortunately, it does not run cheap. That's one thing that was, like, really hard for me to accept. But I also went, like, six years with no equipment but a $20 digital recorder that I got from Radio Shack back in the day and my cell phone. And it worked. And it worked. Like, you have, like, the audio recording app on your phone. You can use that. Your phone has a camera. It can take video. Like, if you had to send me into a location with just one piece of equipment, it would be a digital recorder. And you can get those for, like, 15 bucks. Let me ask you this. So when you're just getting started in the paranormal investigated investigation world, are you looked down upon if you don't have nicer equipment? Or do people understand, like, everybody starts somewhere and they're still accepting? Because I feel like when you get into a lot of hobbies like that, people are judgy. <laughs> You know, no, they're not, because you you all start somewhere, and, you know, there's a large chunk of the paranormal community who's just there for the reason of getting together and investigating these locations and having fun, and it's like, you do get the odd one out where they're like, huh, am I better than everyone because I have all this equipment? <laughs> Did you just quote a TikTok? 
Am I the drama? <laughs> no, it's the one that goes, am I better than everyone? <laughs> I, that's good. Such a double-edged sword, because like I only got on TikTok for the fact that it was like, I really should use this platform to start, you know, creating more content and like trying to grow my brand. I hate it so much. It's so annoying. It never works the way I want it to. Like, I don't understand the algorithms, but it's addicting. (laughs) Oh, look, we love TikTok. It's because of the algorithm that it's addicting. Yeah. They know what you want to see. That's true. Um, I just want to say, as far as equipment goes, um, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even like all of these, all of these devices that, that investigators can buy now, those were all things that people were like duct taping together in their garages because none of this stuff existed. Yeah. So to an extent, not having money to buy equipment, like they could, there were some things that could be bought that could be used for paranormal investigations but most of the investigators weren't spending money on those. Like you could buy thermal imaging cameras, but they're incredibly expensive. And most investigators weren't spending money on those things. So they were taking other things apart and figuring out how to put them back together in ways that they could use for investigations. And now there are things that you can just, you know, go on a website and buy, but it's kind of, creating new things is kind of part of that as well and like if you show up with some new shit that nobody else has ever heard of and it's duct taped together and it looks like six kinds of janky everybody's gonna be like oh what do you have (laughs) like because and then those things are the things that at some point somebody starts manufacturing and selling but for a long time I mean a lot of these things were things that somebody was like okay I need a thing that does I need a thing that makes noise when something gets close to it. How can I make that work? And they were taking things apart like um, like the lights that you can put outside that have motion sensors. Yeah. And adding something that makes noise, like in that case, a music box. <laughs> but it was all being like duct taped together and like just created by somebody who wanted to use it because they were solving a problem. So I think anybody who wants to act like you need to have all this expensive equipment, like, I feel like you don't know the, I feel like you don't know what you're doing at all if you think that's the case, because. Exactly. Because, like, even, like, if you go back and watch, like, the first season of Ghost Hunters, they didn't use a ton of technological equipment. Mm -hmm. They mostly, I mean, they had cameras, of course, and they had you know, they had all of that stuff that they ran so that they could see, you know, multiple views of things and like have a, somebody monitoring it or whatever. But I mean, they didn't have a ton of like techie stuff. They used mostly digital voice recorders, um, cameras, just regular cameras and like camcorders, Like, (laughs) like actual camcorders. So well, I mean, yeah. And the it's, tech toys are fun, but you don't have to have them. No. And if you go to an investigation, like I've done so many investigations and you like the Waverly Hills, I didn't start bringing my equipment with me until West Virginia, which was back in August because I was flying across country and my equipment's 
takes up so much space. I was like, and I don't want to risk like it getting broken. Yeah. And it's like, I would show up with nothing. And it's like, everyone else has equipment too. Like you share, you, t- you buddy up like, oh, that person has a digital recorder. I'm going to go hang out with them so we can do EVP sessions. Like you don't have to have to have it. Like the equipment you have never has, never will make you the investigator that you are, whatever, you know, people may say. And like, at least in my branch of the paranormal community, if we come across somebody who acts like that, we all shun them and you're like, well, you're not cool. You can just leave. <laughs> like, take your toys and go home. Yeah. Well, it's like, and it's like, they enhance your experience, sure. But like, people are so much, I also find that people are just so much less likely to argue with you the less equipment you have. Because mm-hmm. it's more empirical at that point. Because you're like, I literally didn't have anything and this is what happened. Like, there was no yeah. frequencies blocking it, nothing that could potentially interfere with what is happening. Yeah, I definitely, um, I find spirit boxes interesting when I see videos that have spirit box evidence. But at the same time, there's part of me that's just like, I just don't feel like that's, that's not enough for me on its own. I think the only time I really like using spirit boxes is during Estes sessions. And uh, if you've talked with Courtney, you know that she does Estes sessions as well. And she and I actually, when I was at St. Ignatius, uh, she was over at the Saratoga County Homestead that same night. So, and with Steve, and we kind of had the idea. It's like, well, we've done like double and triple Estes sessions when we're in the same building. Let's do one when we're across country in separate buildings on Instagram live. Cool. So, yeah, I think I want to say Courtney told us something about that, didn't she? Uh, girl, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had a good memory. And so we hopped on Instagram, and Courtney and I both went under, and uh, again. I adore Steve. I swear I do. He still hasn't sent me this footage and he's been saying he will for a month. Um, Steve. Right. Get your shit together. God, Help the girl out. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Like I really needed to hear that someone else is on my side. Cause like I called him out on Twitter and he just sent a gif of a guy slowly sliding down in his chair. And I was like, no, 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 that's not going to cut it. Steve. We're going to need you to pull it together. If you have the footage, you have to be the person that sends it out to everyone. Come on now. They've all seen it. I'm the only one who hasn't seen the actual footage yet. But it's like, it was literally the greatest SS session I've ever done. Because like Courtney and I were 4,000, 2,000 miles apart, completely on opposite sides of the country. And we were mimicking each other and like speaking to each other when we couldn't see or hear each other. I just think that's amazing. That is amazing. And just because I know not everybody who listens to us um, is 100% familiar, just as a reminder, the Estes session is like the sensory deprivation. So you're you're blindfolded. You can only hear. You can you can hear the spirit box, right? But that's all you can hear. Yeah. So you're listening to the seven or whatever spirit box you have on noise canceling headphones when you're blindfolded. So it removes the bias of sight and hearing, which right then, you know, people who aren't blindfolded are feeding you questions and you're just feeding back the responses, which, you know, sometimes get absolutely hilarious because I was under in Detroit at the sixth precinct back in June and this family was trying to leave the event 
and you know they were trying to be quiet about it. like hey thank you so much for everything we're leaving and all of a sudden I just go fuck off because that's what I got through the fear box so to be clear just because I again I know not everybody is familiar with all the equipment and stuff when she says they're feeding you questions they're actually asking the spirit box questions the person who's reacting to the spirit box can't hear the question so you don't know what question you're answering but a lot of times you do get answers that seem like they're answers to the questions being asked kind of like what she was just saying like somebody's trying to leave quietly and the spirit box is like oh just go goddamn (laughs) (laughs) i've never been more humiliated in my life because of course everyone thought it was hilarious and then i'm almost in tears because i'm so embarrassed over it (laughs) <laughs> like I was like guys I'm not a terrible person I promise <laughs> we got so off topic I love it just it's now I, I feel like we that. actually I feel like we didn't because that there's if you don't know what any of these things are and you're listening yeah. to this like it would just like very quickly become just white noise because yeah that's like, true it doesn't make sense if you've never seen it or at least like kind of reminder like this is what this is I'm still not super familiar with all of the lingo and stuff I'm not either that's why I'm kind of I've asked I think I've asked Courtney three times what an Estes session is but now I remember so at least I've learned something now (laughs) yeah you know I I do like my equipment but it's never given me better or more responses I'll say than just like heading in there with me, myself and I, my phone and my recorder, like all my Polaroid camera too. Cause like, that's the thing that not a lot of people like count on is like, you can take all the pictures that you want with your phone, mm-hmm. but people are always going to argue with you. Like, Oh, you edited it somehow. Like you tweaked it. Like that's not really in that photo, which is why I'll always go with my Polaroid instead. Cause like not instant film can't be tweaked. Can't be edited. Argue all you Absolutely. want. God, that makes so much sense. I don't know how I didn't put two and two together with Courtney's Polaroids. Oh, yeah. 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 I, because digital. And the other, the other thing that has been brought up is kind of like an EVP. Is, there, is it possible that a digital camera is actually recording different types of information than what a film camera would be able to see? So, for example, a film camera would can only capture what you can see with your eyes. Like, it can't see something that you can't see. But mm-hmm. arguably, a digital camera is capturing the image in a different way, and it's recording the image in a different way. So, is it possible that kind of like a digital voice recorder can capture sound that you weren't able to hear with your ears? Can a digital camera capture something visual that you weren't able to see at the time, which makes it a good thing. Like that's a positive thing because you might get something on a digital camera that you, you weren't able to see while you were standing there. But it also brings up the question of what, what about interference? Yeah. Never mind, never mind the idea of editing it or trying to, you know, basically fake evidence, which is a different issue to me in like, that's just a whole other thing. And that, yeah, people are always like, oh, you faked it. But sometimes it's not faked. Sometimes it's just something that people don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. 
because digital interference is real and sometimes you get these weird things um especially with cell phone cameras because they have so many features that people don't really know how to use and don't use regularly that you can accidentally end up with something that looks really weird but that is completely mundane and easy to explain by somebody who understands how the camera works well exactly that's like i've had you know people send me photos and be like look at there there's a spirit in the window or whatnot and i like zoom in i'm looking at it i'm like I don't see anything that doesn't mean that there's not something there by any like my my own opinion does not you know validate or falsify your evidence in any way it's just like I just don't see it (laughs) I I tend to get a lot of hate and I'm in a couple of paranormal groups on Facebook and I'm always the person who's like what you're looking at here is a light anomaly and here's where it's coming from. And you can see that this is a lens flare and here's the other places you can see it in the sequence. So people hate you. (laughs) So they hate me because they're like, you can't, you're, who are you to invalidate their experience? I'm like, I'm not talking about their experience. I'm talking about this image. Like if you had an experience, you had an experience that's completely separate. But as far as evaluating this particular image, where they're saying, oh, you see the orb. Nope, but I definitely see a lens flare. And I can explain to you what it is, where it comes from, and why you, why you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that was a big issue at St. Ignatius with, you know, video and photo evidence. I ended up really not taking a ton of video or photo evidence simply because, you know, the owners, Laura and Austin Storm, are doing, you know, big restoration to try and make the building more presentable and safer. Like, not that it's going to collapse on top of you, but I mean, like, there's some serious work being done right now because it's such an old building. Yeah. The dust is unreal. And the minute I stepped foot inside that building, I was like, oh, I can oh, already look at the orbs. <laughs> yeah. Like, endless argument of dust ball or orb. And I was like, I don't got time for this. Like, yeah. And the reality is, in, in locations like that, you almost just have to default to dust because if there's so much dust that you can't that everywhere you go, you're kicking up dust and stuff is moving around. There's no way to take a picture and be like, this is definitively something paranormal because it could still be dust or a bug or like there were a couple photos that I took where it was like, Man, I can't off the top of my head say that's absolutely dust or that's absolutely a lens flare or a light anomaly or whatnot. But there's no way I'm posting this saying, what do you guys think? Because I didn't like even want to go down that trail. Because of people like me that are like, well, here's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure of like what I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm not going to present this as evidence and be like, oh, this is what I think it is. When in reality, I have no fucking clue what I'm looking at. Like... (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just, you know, if you don't, if you don't use digital photography all the time, there are so many things that can show up on digital images that if you don't, if you don't know, like, oh, hey, did you have this one setting turned on? You know, this one weird little thing like, oh, hey, could you maybe have captured like could this maybe be a stitched image where you capture three images and then your cameras put it together? Because phones will do that. Yeah. And it will create these really strange looking things, but it's not paranormal 
it's just weird technology things. I mean, I would love to pass off the picture I got of Steve when he walked in front of my pano shot as something paranormal just because it looks so stupid and weird. But no, it's just a noodle Steve when he cut off my pano shot. But <laughs> totally go on and say, guys, look at this anomaly that I captured in broad daylight. Yeah, but then that like that ruined your credibility. And... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'd never right. actually do something like that. I'd just like to put that out there. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> I definitely think that some of those images being put out there, though, like with the disclaimer, like, hey, this is not parent. Like, I know this is not paranormal, but like, take a look and see if you know what it is. I think that would be so helpful to so many people mm-hmm. because there are so many weird things that show up, especially people who aren't investigators, who aren't really like out searching for evidence that just take a picture in a place that they know might be haunted. And then they end up with something that they're like, wait, I think I see something. They don't, they're not trying to pass off of it. They're not trying to pass something off as evidence when it's not, they just don't know what they're looking at. And I think seeing some of those images, like somebody walking through a pano shot or like what happens if you take a burst shot and it stitches it together and you didn't realize that that's what it was doing. I think some of those images being put out, like, just like, hey, this is not paranormal, but can you look at it and figure out what it is, I think would be educational. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like anything with the paranormal, like, it's all one big gray area. And I think people forget that it's not black and white. It's not one thing or the other. Right. And you like you have to have an open mind you have to be okay with people saying no that's not what it is you have to be okay with people not agreeing with your evidence yeah 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 or just being able to explain it as something else even though again that doesn't change it doesn't if you had an experience it doesn't change your experience but it's better to understand like what might you be seeing in an image or on a video or whatever Okay, girl, what else you got? Sorry, there's a kitten walking around in here making little meowy noises. So I'm hoping he's I, not close enough to my mic. We can't hear it now because you're legit. Your mic you're is legit. legit. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, had, we had some really serious microphone issues. You're all good. I was just chilling. My guinea pigs were screaming at me. It was fine. Oh, guinea pigs. So <laughs> sweet. Back what other, what other story, West Coast stories do you have for us? Yeah, so going back to St. Ignatius, I'll tell you one more story about that beautiful location. Um, I don't know if you remember me saying, one of the nurses who graduated from the nursing school, his name was Philip Crom. So we were doing a group Estes session in the basement. There were two of us under, and the whole group was down there. And I had come out because I was feeling really dizzy and wasn't feeling great. So I was like, I'm going to stop doing this. I don't really know what's going on right now. And this, the girl across from me who was still under just started saying the name Philip over and over again. And at the time, like none of us had like, we've been told, I think like once at the beginning of the night about Philip and Archie, the other nurse, but that was not at the forefront of anyone's mind. And so we were like, what? Like she keeps saying Philip. And she's like, he's here. I'm Philip. He's here. I'm Philip. We kept saying that over and over again and kept saying help and like a bunch of stuff. And 
as far as I, I did research afterward, and like as far as I know, you know, Philip was never like in an accident. You know, he graduated from the school, went on to be one of you know Washington's first male nurses. But we told this to the guides, and they were immediately like, "Did Philip come back? Like, is Philip like in the basement now? Like, what is happening? Because that had never happened to them before." And so that's like, interesting. Can't say if we were actually talking to you know the the ghost of Philip or whatnot. But it was definitely intriguing for sure, because that was definitely. the only name that came through in that session. So that was really yeah, yeah. awesome. Um, so you're moving away from St. Ignatius. I don't know what it is about Washington and haunted hospitals. There are so many <laughs> abandoned haunted hospitals in Washington State, and I don't know what the deal is. I think hospitals just there's so much energy and so much that happens in hospitals and it's not always negative, but it's just, there's, that's, there's just a lot of energy. Like that's where people, it's where most people are born. That's where a lot of people die. Like there's just a lot of energy moving through hospitals all the time. So it always makes sense to me that they would be haunted or retain some kind of that retain some of that energy just because there's so much of it when they're operational. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, this other hospital, if you travel to the other side of the state from where St. Ignatius is, uh, North State Mental Hospital for the Criminally Insane. It um, was one of the three main hosp- uh, mental health hospitals or insane asylums in the uh, Pacific Northwest. It um, opened in 19, I want to say 17, 1915, excuse me, 1915. And was in operation until the mid seventies. Um, and you know, if you know anything about you know mental health during that time and how it was treated, lobotomies, shock therapy treatments, all happened on that premises. Um, it was also the uh, the facility was created to be its own self sustaining kind of uh, community. So it had a food processing plant. It had a dairy farm that the barns had actually been built by the patients pretty much as like free labor. And those barns are still standing. They were finished in 1913. Um, And the main hospital building itself is currently closed to the public. There's some talk of, you know, trying to get it open to the public because it's, they're sitting on a paranormal gold mine over there from the business perspective of like, you know, the paranormal community. It's an hour outside of Seattle paranormal hotspot like the building is in incredible condition you know you look at these buildings a lot of them are like falling apart at the seams like this is a amazingly well-kept building considering I mean obviously with vandals and everything it's not pristine but it is incredible and you know the crematorium is still there or what we've kind of figured out to be the crematorium and the original cemetery from when the hospital was in operation is still there as well with the original patient headstones. Cause if you died at North state nine times out of 10, your body became property of the state because you know, your family didn't want to claim you because of the stigmatism around, you know, mental health. So you were given a plaque that went by your head that just had your initials and your patient number. Wow. No name, wow. That was it. And there's around 1,400 people who were buried on premises and cremated altogether. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> so many people. It's a lot of people. And and what was the year range? Um, 19, I don't know, like the lump sum of like when these patients died, the records are unfortunately pretty spotty, but it opened in 1915 and was in operation until about the mid seventies from what, from my research. Um, beautiful, beautiful property. If you're ever out West, it's something that you have to, you know, go see. Uh, it is, it's a little bit of a sore spot that it's public access because, you know, it's just littered with graffiti and people, you know, ruining it in so many ways, which makes me so mad because it's such a deep part of like, you know, medical history and Washington state's history as well. So it's just like, God, like protect it somehow, please. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll be able to soon. I hope so. Like there's, you know, talks of movement because what really needs to happen is the people, I think, cause it's run by the state and city right now or owned by the state and city. I mean, there's been so many like attempts to like, you know, turn it into a school, turn it into a golf course, a community center, because it's like beautiful, you know, sprawling grounds. I can see the attraction. Nothing's happened. It's just sitting there and they need to pull their heads out of their asses and understand the gold mine that they're sitting on. You should, um, can't you, what is it called when you can um, request something with your local government? Oh, I have. Yeah, you have. I've been at this for over a year now. Wow. It's just part of the problem with those things usually is how expensive it is to remediate buildings, especially if they ever had asbestos put in anywhere. Like there's a whole process that that has to go through in order to be, be able to be reused for something else or to be able to have insurance and, and I got hold on and then she froze. I know. Hello? Is it my internet? I think it, it must be. Okay. I think you're the drama. You're the drama. Am I the drama? I think you're the drama. Yeah, I saw you freeze like a couple, like just for a second. And then you froze like a couple of times for a little bit longer. What is happening? Because I feel like lately, every time we record, the universe is like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Okay. Go on. I think we're good now. I'm sorry. I was looking for the little furry criminals. They're in here and I don't, I never know what they're about to do. Well, we can't hear them. So that's the good news. I can't either, which means I can't predict when I need to hit my mute in order to stop you from having to hear whatever nonsense is about to take place. You're all good. I closed one of, I closed one door, the door that will actually stay. My house. Hannah is like almost a hundred years old. So none of my door, like the doors don't completely close or they're like, they stick and it's like a whole thing. I'm so jealous. I would love that for my house. I love my house, but living in an old house definitely has quirks. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So I can't completely close myself in here because they will just eventually like get the doors open and that will be way more of an ordeal. Yeah. So, I closed one of the doors, but now they're like milling around, looking at the closed door, looking at me, looking at the open door, like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. What's going just, on, mom? Don't know if y'all heard my music box just go off, and it was off. 
I did not hear that. I didn't hear it, but I saw your reaction to it. No, so it's moving. I don't know what's happening. It's not supposed to be on. It's off. What the heck is happening? It's fine. It's haunted. Tell us some more of your locations. Yeah, so outside of uh, North State and St. Ignatius, it's not there anymore, but if you know anything about true crime, there was an American serial killer and nurse named Linda Hazard who had residence in Washington State, Seattle area. Um, Up in Alala, Washington, her old property, also known as Starvation Heights, the house no longer exists anymore, but um, I think they built housing development there or something now which is ironic um but her old property used to be um up there and there was a couple investigations privately run through there as well and that is just i you know i'm such a true crime buff so if you know anything about linda hazard she was a absolute monster she basically faked her way to a medical degree and I was going to say wasn't she one of isn't she sometimes referred to as an angel of death or the angel of death or an angel of death yeah so basically her cure-all her treatment that she would give to her patients was starvation so she would starve her patients to death I feel like she's playing with fire there because if you try to starve me to death you may go down before I do (laughs) right well it's like back you know when this was when this was happening, you know, if you got sick and couldn't afford like the modern medicine of the time, and Linda was like, "You don't need this expensive modern medicine. You just need to not eat until you die. Problem solved." Obviously, oh. say that part and be like, "Don't read the fine print." But um, <laughs> technically, you're not sick anymore. So. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's like looking at the coffin, like, well, it worked. She's not sick no more. Another satisfied customer. Yeah. <laughs> like a, uh, it's like the people today that say you don't have to take the vaccine. You can just take horse dewormer and you'll be fine. I don't even get me started on the horse dewormer. <laughs> we don't have to get started on it. It's just a comparison. It'll just be the three of us saying the same shit to each other yeah. and the people who who want to take horse dewormer will probably never hear it because they probably do not listen to this podcast. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I think we have a few and Susan and I are not shy about our political stance. And I think we have a few listeners who still listen to us. So good for them. Thanks guys. We appreciate you like pushing through the, the liberal hippie girl thing. Mm -hmm. We're not sorry. But we appreciate you being here. We won't stop. <laughs> no. I mean, like carrying on like the whole true crime uh, bit, you know, the more well-known names. If you don't know Linda Hazard, I'm going to shiver and quake if you've never heard of Ted Bundy and Gary Ridgway. Um, yeah. Two very well-known serial killers who operated in the South King County area. I fed my inner psycho recently when I was driving to St. Ignatius. I took a uh, detour to Walla Walla. And if you don't know where Walla Walla is and the significance, that is where the prison where Gary Ridgway currently is, is. So naturally, I bought a can of wine from a 7-Eleven and sat outside the prison in my car and listened to a true crime podcast about Gary Ridgway. 
Um, was awesome. it therapeutic? Was it therapeutic? Yeah. That sounds amazing. I was, you know, it was a vibe. Like I'd been driving all morning. It was like five hour drive. I was like, this is, this is good. This is normal. Like this is fine. <laughs> I'm a normal person and this is what normal people do. They sit in their car drinking canned wine, staring at the walls where one of the most notorious serial killer in the entire history of the United States is currently sitting behind bars. And listening That's... to a podcast about him. Yeah. Because, I mean, can you even put it on a white woman's Instagram if you don't listen to a podcast about it while drinking the wine? I think you can't. I think it's required. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was a very, it was a, it was a pivotal moment in my journey to becoming a true psychopath. It's like, <laughs> it feels like a natural next step. Like, I can already follow, I can't, like, normal people, you know, they'll listen to meditations before bed. They fall asleep to, like, soothing jungle noises or whatever. I can't fall asleep unless I have, like, serial killer podcasts on. <laughs> I don't fall asleep to serial killer podcast. I fall asleep to ASMR, but I do throughout the whole day listen to serial killer podcasts. Same. I'm with you. Only because the serial killer podcasts keep me awake mm -hmm. because yeah. I want to keep listening. And the yeah. ASMR like hits the little off switch in my brain. Yeah. Like I can't fall asleep because I want to hear like what's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> so relaxing to me it's like a curl up under my blanket like and she was brutally cut up in pieces I'm like yeah and her eyes were removed and her eyes. <laughs> how many times have we referenced tiktok this has got to stop we all we need to have we need to just have like a little counter to like count the tiktok references in every episode we had what was it we had the am i better than everyone else? am i better than everyone am i the drama <laughs> And her eyes were removed. And her arms were cut up. I can't ever remember how that one goes, but it's the same. It's the concept. You do that voice so well. <laughs> and her arms were removed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you know Gary Ridgway. Um, we also what what other true what other true crime? It's, it's like you do your research and you start to realize just how many serial killers have like passed through Washington state. Cause like, you know, growing up before I seriously got into all this research, I was like, man, I just need to move back out East. Cause that's where all the creepy stuff is. Like all my family's out East anyway. So I'm out. That's like my second home. But, and then when I finally was like, maybe I could just do some research. I'm like, Oh, 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 that's five minutes from my house. Ooh. <laughs> It's like, like, so you have the East Coast where Courtney is and like the New York area where everything is haunted. And then you have the West Coast where you are and it's all the serial killers. You know, so yeah. many West, so many West Coast serial killers and like Pacific, Pacific Northwest specifically. Yeah. Well, specifically. Pacifically, you may say. Um, you might even say Pacifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like you going into like 10 minutes from my house is like Lake Sammamish area. And that was one of Ted Bundy's hunting grounds. Um, and, you know, going to that park and hanging out and be like, did he like watch people here? I hope so. Cause I'm just going to sit here and people watch and pretend I'm Ted Bundy. Like, <laughs> Wait, hold on, Hannah. You're not one of those weird girls that like fantasizes about how beautiful Ted Bundy is. Are you? <sighs> no. Okay. She wants no. to be Ted Bundy. She doesn't want to be with Ted Bundy. You're right. You're right. Psychopath. I got oh. it. Okay. Listen, 
Do I think that he and I probably would have been friends before I found out everything that had happened? Absolutely. I feel like we ran on like a similar like psychotic wavelength at some point, but like, nah. Nah. I mean, I think I think that almost anybody probably, if they're being honest, would have to say that because the reason that Ted Bundy was such a prolific serial killer is how easy it was for him to get people to like him and trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so terrifying to me. It's like, you know, you read all about, you know, Bundy and Ridgeway and it's like they're so starkly different. And it's mm-hmm. like you look at their upbringings and like fun fact, uh Ridgeway grew up like 10 minutes from me. Um <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so his main hunting, so I'm in I'm located in King County and his main hunting ground was the South King County area which is his dump sites are more up by the airport, which is like a good 45 minutes from me, but um, up in the more Tacoma area. Yeah. But he grew up in, uh, you'll hear it as like one of the suburbs of Seattle, which is just like Seattle, Bellevue, Kirkland, Bothell, those kind of areas. And you're like, oh, okay, I know exactly where this dude grew up. Got it. Yeah. I mean, get up and go to the address if you'd like it's a privately owned residence so you can't like go in but <laughs> it's really creepy it's absolutely terrifying have i driven past his house multiple times absolutely i do the psychotic slow drive like whoa <laughs> a serial killer lived here his arms were cut off <laughs> I mean, the dark fascination is there. Like, that is just a normal, that is such a normal human thing. That's why we like haunted things and true crime and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Because the fascination with people who, like, the dark side of humanity is just normal. I, I mean, yeah. And I mean, like, Criminal Minds and, like, all those shows, like, I eat that stuff up. Like, I took it so far as, like, I was a forensic psychology major for a good chunk of time. Like, I was more than halfway through my degree before I was like, eh, nah, I'm going to do English instead. It's easier. Uh, That's a lot of schooling. That's a lot of schooling. It was more so the fact that I'm just terrible at math. And I didn't want to do a math-based degree. (laughs) I guess forensic psychology, would that be math-based? It's a science base, so you yeah. did have to. There were some pretty high level math courses that you did have to go through. But to, taking away from that, I am now like the worst person to like watch serial killer documentaries with because if they don't go into like the psychological aspect, I'm the bitch who's like, pause. Did you know psychologically speaking, the reason behind he's doing this is A, B, C, D, E, F, and G? Because technically speaking, as a child, like I'm the worst. You it's should listen. Because- Oh, go ahead. Nope, you should, you're going to say it. <laughs> you should listen. The last guest we had on, um, her episode will be out this week. She has a podcast, and it's a true crime diagnostic podcast because she's a licensed therapist, and she has her master's in forensic psychology. Um, and her whole her whole season that she's doing right now is kids. <gasps> That's yeah. so cool. And her you should podcast is it. What's Wrong With Them. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that. Probably, because we've talked about her but yeah what's wrong with and we've, yeah, we've posted about it 
Oh, I guarantee I say we. Caroline's posted about it. I am not good at doing that. <laughs> hey, you know what? You sent me a meme last night, and I'm going to put that on social media so oh, you contribute. Good. I, I do. I contribute by sending Caroline Bigfoot memes, typically. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. usually my contribution no, to our not- social media presence is that I send Caroline memes <laughs> or TikToks or TikToks. You like if like I feel like if people who are like into like the cryptids and the paranormal, like if they think of like the Pacific Northwest, they automatically think Bigfoot. Yeah. Some reason and that is so funny to me because like out here you don't hear about it a ton. Like the Pacific Northwest is like made that like part of like their marketing. It's like, Oh, Bigfoot for like that little niche of people. But in reality, it's like, there's not like a ton of like locals out here who are like super ingrained into like the Bigfoot story. If you like go out farther that way towards like the, the mountains and the uh, more upstate, you'll see, you'll hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, but it's honestly become so much more of like a tourist marketing gig for the Pacific Northwest than it is like an actual like hunt or like yeah. If you send Caroline into a tailspin, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but I believe it. So I watched a show called Expedition Bigfoot um a few months ago, and they had this really cool whatever I don't know how to fucking explain it because they took all the Bigfoot data together and they figured out what time of year he was in certain locations and the evidence was crazy. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I just made myself say like, I'm not a believer. I a hundred percent am like invested in the Bigfoot theory Yeah. And, or, you know, cryptid or tail or whatever you want to call it. But I just think it's so funny because it's like, I feel like, you know, like it's like kind of a similar to like the Mothman in West Virginia it's like it's such a small like focused area yeah and it's like you won't really find a bunch of people in west virginia like outside of that area who are like as invested in the mothman as like the people in that one little pinprick are and it's yeah. just with bigfoot it's like the farther you span out from like that one part of washington it's like bigfoot sure sure <laughs> like <laughs> that actually makes perfect sense to me because it's like yeah i mean Sure. There's a lot of woods, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the same thing, like the Jersey Devil. You know, you you walk outside of that one part of Jersey. Like, yeah, people know what it is, but they only know about it because of the gravity that that one part of Jersey holds. They're not like fully invested in it, and they don't go out of their way to market it. <laughs> so well, I just, I mean, oh, go ahead. I'm Texan, and people talk about like chupacabra and. Nobody in Texas that, I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, that might be a thing, but nobody's like really into it. Mm -hmm. Listen, you say Chupacabra, all I can think of is the Scooby-Doo movie. So, uh. Same, honestly. (laughs) I never watched (gasps) Scooby-Doo. I'm sorry, guys. Ma'am. I just, I tried. I couldn't get into it. I'm invested in the Scooby-Doo What do you mean you've tried? Because there's like six different iterations of Scooby-Doo and I'm just I'm gonna I'm having a really difficult time (laughs) accepting that you couldn't get into like any version of Scooby-Doo like watch the witch's ghost I remember when I was little I watched like the show (laughs) like what (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Which like, one? The original like, one? What's new, Scooby-Doo? The live action with Matthew Lillard? Like, what are we talking about? I don't know, guys. Please stop bullying me. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> look, I know you haven't seen anything. It's not your gig. But look, there's going to have to be some Scooby-Doo watching. Okay. I can I'm just going to need you to get high and get some snacks and channel Shaggy and watch some fucking Scooby-Doo. You know what? It's okay, though, because I just found this out. You know, you think you know somebody, and then hmm, they just drop a bomb out of nowhere. So Steve has been investigating the paranormal for over 10 years. This man has never seen Ghostbusters. I haven't either. For the love of God. I'm not. <laughs> she just walked away. Anna just left. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You've never seen. Okay. Again, like. You've you never know. seen the original Ghostbusters. You haven't seen the new, like, the new imagining of Ghostbusters with have... Melissa McCarthy. You haven't seen the Ghostbusters cartoon. I don't like... watch movies. I don't watch movies. Oh, you and Steve would get along great because he doesn't listen to music and he doesn't watch movies. He doesn't listen to music? Okay, story time. So I officially know... don't trust Steve. I don't trust anybody who truly does not listen to music. Like Steve what? is never allowed on the podcast. I'm afraid FYI. of Steve. <laughs> Steve, I'm afraid of you. I don't think he listens. But... Does he listen? If he listens, Steve, I'm afraid of you. Um, put this in the episode so I can send him this clip because uh-huh. uh, he... <laughs> So he drives to all of these events and there's, you know, like upwards of like, you know, it's 10 hours from New York to Ohio, 13 to Kentucky. This man, if there's someone in the car with him, he likes to, you know, chat. Um, Usually it's our friend Dylan who sleeps the whole time because, you know, he's borderline narcoleptic. Um, Or if, you know, it's just him, he listens to podcasts. No music ever. I can't do that. I need music. I need music. Like I can't live without music. Everyone needs music, and I just, Steve, I'm worried about you, buddy. You know what? I worry about this dude constantly. <laughs> oh, Steve. I don't even know you, Steve. Yeah. Here's the thing. Just- if I had to pick, though, like, if I had to choose Scooby-Doo or Ghostbusters, I gotta go Scooby-Doo. You too. Here's why, though. I mean, like, I don't want to be Hex Girl all the way. Like, you put the Hex Girls in front of me, I go crazy. Absolutely, like, a thousand percent. Like I, like I can sing. I'm a hex girl. Like lyric for lyric, on beat. Like give me a air guitar. Like let's go. Yes. Like I'm sorry, you haven't seen like one. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm honestly so glad that you are on here with me when this information came out. Because otherwise, it would just be me being righteously indignant about this. And I'm just very glad that I have company because I cannot. Scooby Doo is like required for life. Is it like, does it stream anywhere right now? What's new Scooby Or like Mystery Incorporated, I think, is on Netflix. I think I need to start. Is yeah, it? It doesn't even somewhere? matter. Just pick a thing. Okay. Or go watch, here's the thing. Maybe go watch the movie with Matthew Lillard because you cannot go wrong with Matthew Lillard. I love that man. With all the muscles. first one. What is the first one? Is it Zombie Island? No. So that no. one. So Zombie Island is one of the animated ones. Yeah, you're right. The first one I think is Monster. No, it's Spooky Island. The first one is Spooky Island. Is it Spooky? Yeah, it is Spooky Island. Um, which I'm still mad was never made an actual theme park to this day. Um, 
And then they had the Monsters Unleashed one is the one after that. Monsters Unleashed. Okay. Um, so they have Hulu, Netflix, and it looks like Scooby-Doo Where Are You is on HBO, which I do have. So Scooby-Doo Where I, Are You is like the OG 60s cartoon Scooby-Doo. Okay. You, gotta go and like, Harlem you can't go wrong with that. The two ones with the Harlem Globetrotters, it's the one where they, like, go to Shaggy's Uncle Nathaniel's in the middle of, like, the East Coast and get haunted by all the ghosts. Okay, but the one with Jerry Reed is, like, probably hands down my favorite. I'm so, nobody knows about the ones with Jerry Reed. I love Jerry Reed, and I love those, that, those episodes with Jerry Reed. It's like, like, I get to watch Scooby-Doo and Jerry Reed sings to me. Sold. Sold. Like, oh, and, like, in terms of, like, movies, you got to go with, like, The Witch's Ghost, the Mexico one with El Chupacabra. You've got to go with The Legend of the Fantasaur because Matthew Gray Goobler voices one of the characters and you can't not because it's Matthew Gray Goobler. Yes. Okay, I will make an attempt. Excellent. Well, you do not appreciate you. You, you experience Scooby. I don't think you understand the severity of the ADHD. <laughs> I can't, Look, like, I can't sit still to watch. Find something to do with your hands. Okay, I'll color. Perfect. Look, I I did this while we've been talking. Oh my God, it's so pretty. See, that's fine. That's totally fine. Okay. Completely okay to color whatever you got to do. But okay. you got to watch some Scooby-Doo. Because, honestly, how do you, like... Scooby-Doo is where most of us had the first inclination that we wanted to ghost hunt. That was where I got my first inclination. I mean, I think it has to be, like, because so long before anybody was doing, like, ghost hunting shows, there was Scooby-Doo. And they're, like, a gang of kids that go out and, like, investigate haunted places. I was more of perfect a, dog. are you afraid of the dark kid? Was that around for you, Susan? Are you are you afraid of the dark? Um, so I think by the time the TV show came out, it was a little young for me. The books were around. Um, I definitely read all the like Goosebumps and Stephen King. So I was a reader. So Goosebumps, I read R.L. Stein before he like tamed it down for Goosebumps because the OG R.L. Steins are way scarier than Goosebumps stories. Oh. And then when he started doing Goosebumps, they kind of were, like, just a little bit too young and, like, not really scary. So I switched to Christopher Pike. I think, like, in terms of, like, horror writing, when I was growing up, the one that was, like, at the forefront of everything was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, like, that one was actually banned from my school when I was a kid because of that whole thing when it was started getting banned from school because the illustrations were just too scary. And somehow it became like a dare at my school because one of the teachers, it wasn't in the actual school library, still had the book like in her classroom mm-hmm. and it became known. And I don't know how we kept it from the teacher for so long, but you know, we, we dare each other be like, Oh, you have to take the book home and like read the whole thing. And like, I had nightmares for weeks and my poor she parents was probably just thrilled that you guys were like daring each other to read and just pretended to not notice what was happening. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, I heard you mention Stephen King. I just like had like, the coolest experience when I was in West Virginia. So we were at West Virginia Penitentiary and we were along one of the cell blocks. And I don't know if you watched the movie, the TV series Castle Rock. Uh, I tried, but again, I can't finish things. I, but yeah, it was good. I'll be honest. I, I didn't get all the way through Castle Rock either. And I 
I struggle with Stephen King in general because I feel like, and I'm I'm going to justify myself in saying this because Stephen King 100% made fun of himself for this <laughs> in Doctor Sleep. Um, Stephen King, it feels to me like gets like he's 100% invested in a story. And then, like, the last hundred pages, he's just mentally and emotionally done. And he's like, fuck it. I don't even care. Finish it, however. Well, it's like... And it just, like, falls off a cliff. And you're like, wait, what? What? So part of, part of my degree is I have a whole class that's literally a literary analysis of Stephen King. And oh, that's fun. we talk about that a little bit. I have bit. an English degree, too, by the way. So those, like, those little niche classes, like, yeah. oh, mm, my whole heart. Uh, <laughs> But it's, so West Virginia Penitentiary, if you watched, like, even, like, the first bit of the first season, that was the jail that they filmed in for oh, all okay. of the tourist guard scenes. Yeah. And I had a meltdown when the tour guide said this, because, like, I am in love with Bill Skarsgård. Like, that man can just have me. Like, I'm his. It does. I don't care that he's, like, <laughs> a husband and a father now. It's just, like, it's fine. I was like sat there like oh yeah and that was the cell where like Bill Skarsgård was like sitting in and like you know did all of his seats I like shoved someone out of the way I was like I'm going in (laughs) 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 I'm gonna channel him in here with me we need you (laughs) sitting on the bed manifesting that he is here (laughs) that was my whole thing I had nothing else to that story other than I am creepily obsessed with Bill Skarsgård and was in the same cell as him attractive and he's such a good actor oh he's insane like i don't know if he would like if hem are you aware of hemlock grove yes that was the first i ever saw of him because that was like yes. his mainstream american thing that he did yeah my god like, and I, I, I was like he looks like that guy that's on true blood and then i realized that they were brothers <laughs> that's literally my same oh. reaction too <laughs> It bugged me because, like, I didn't bother to look it up for some reason. But, it like, for, like, the first month that I watched it, I was like, why? Like, it made me angry, like, to my core. (laughs) Because they look look enough alike that you recognize that they look alike, but they look different enough that it's not, like, immediate. They're not, like, the Hemsworths where you're like, oh, you guys are definitely related. They just, but they look enough alike that you're like, he looks like somebody. And what a man, what a man, what a man. And Hemlock Grove is so, it was kind of cheesy, but like in a designed to be cheesy sort of way. Oh, absolutely. It was definitely one of those like twisted, weird, uh, like supposed to be cheesy horror shows. Mm -hmm. But it was also like done so well that I was like, I can't even get mad at how cheesy it is because it's just, it's, it's so good. Because it's fun. Like, they did a good job with it. Yeah, totally agreed. And I did not know where they filmed the Castle Rock. I actually, at the beginning of that, I was like, they had to actually have gone to a location for this. It's too realistic. Like, they didn't build this somewhere. It has to be on location. But I never bothered to look to see where they filmed it. I didn't either. So that's why I had a complete, absolute meltdown when the tour guide was like, I don't know if any of you are aware of Stephen King. And I was like, aware of him. Tell Let's me. see. We're on the tour of a haunted jail. Are we aware of Stephen King? Hmm. <laughs> I still haven't been to the Stanley Hotel. That is on bucket list for this year. 
I would love to go to the Stanley. I hope with how much you travel, you have a rewards points system. For real. <laughs> For real. You. Yes. Do so you Caroline, have- Caroline's a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a flight miles card? Do you have hotel points? I Okay, so <laughs> how bad it Let's is. talk. <laughs> Steve's given me this talking on more than once. Mainly, he's just like, you're crazy. I appreciate you, but, like, I, you're crazy. And I'm like, uh-huh. I just got a Choice Hotel reward thing. And I've been traveling for, like, a year plus. Yeah. Um, I uh, was using my parents' Southwest account. so Don't I Don't give them the points. Well, because I didn't know that I had my own account. Like, they didn't tell me this. Because, like, I've only... They were like... He's going to tell her, not me. <laughs> well, it's like, because I, like, I'm fair. I'm pretty independent. So, like, when I'm, like, planning these trips, it's usually me going, uh, hey, mom, dad. Not that, like, it matters to you or anything, but just thought you'd like to know. I'm going to be across the country in, like, two weeks. So, uh, sayonara. With a strange man named Steve. Listen, when I, so when I told my family and my friends what I was doing, there was like one of two reactions. Cause my family is like silently resigned to the fact that like, this is my life and like, this is what I'm choosing to do. (laughs) Cause like for, for reference, like my mom was a very successful accountant and became a stay at home mom. My father was one of the top computer engineers in, you know, the, the country at one point, super sought after. My brother's going to school to be an engineer. And then I'm like, I am ghosting. <laughs> There's always that one kid, Hannah. Don't feel bad. <laughs> Someone had to be the disappointment. I knew it was going to be me from the <laughs> age, but like, uh, my family was silently resigned. My best friend was like, sweetie, are you good? Cause like I'm a I'm a homebody. Like I love adventuring like within my own little bubble and like yeah. I, I don't have many friends. Like I, I keep my circle very small. So and I made the choice to go to Waverly on my 10 minute lunch, like 10 minute lunch break. <laughs> What's your sign? Pisces. I walked into the back room. Steve had, like, posted on his Instagram. It's like, who wants to go to Waverly Hills? Jokingly, I, like, sent him, like, the eye emojis. I was like, ooh, like, never going to happen. But, like, that's so funny. Sends me all the information. He's like, come, come with me. Like, let's go. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You go, girl. That's amazing. I love that you're doing this while you're young and you're, like, starting young and you're not having to grasp grasp for a career when you're older like you're you're getting set listen again caroline's a capricorn so sorry i'm sorry guys i'm a supervisor at starbucks like they're making it really hard for me to leave like it's in basically like this is my second job so like i'm guaranteed the time off to like leave whenever i want pretty much like i make pretty good money it's it's a stupid good deal however crappy the job may be I think Starbucks is probably one of the best companies to work for, especially if you're trying to like better your yourself. Like, do they pay for your school? Yeah. So I'm actually, they have a Starbucks college achievement program through Arizona state. So I'm getting my degree debt free, which is nice. That's amazing. 
That's and amazing. also, I just feel very vindicated for the $5 coffee that I bought this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fun. I mean, we're, we're right down the street from an exotic animal clinic. So, like, we get, like, ducks coming through our drive-thru. We had a car full of baby goats one time. Are you <laughs> kidding me? so fun. <laughs> so, we're going to add you to... So, I, I don't even know if I've said this before, but we have... Um, it's not Patreon. It's another donation link. It's called buy us a coffee. I'm sure you've heard of it. And our goal is to get a thousand dollars so we can get Courtney and me and Susan and go investigate somewhere. So I want to add you to that. I think that would be so fun to have us as a foursome to go somewhere. So I'm going to add you to that. And and we, we get Starbucks discounts. Yeah. So. I bought everyone coffee the day after Waverly Hills. <laughs> we decided to get in the car and go to Fairfield County Infirmary the day after Waverly. So we were all in like two hours of sleep. Steve is like desperately trying to give us a tour of Fairfield County Infirmary, not knowing what he's talking about. Dylan's in the corner falling asleep. Courtney and I are taking mirror selfies. Like it was, it was, it was a mess. It was so good. That sounds fun. <laughs> I would love to do that. I hope that I hope that I we love can that make kind that of happen. chaos. Yeah, definitely. Lack of sleep, I don't know, but everything else, yes. Oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I can go, like, I can go on two hours of sleep with no problem at all. Like, no sweat. Caroline, on the other hand, turns into a pumpkin at 10 p.m., so she's going to have to, like, like, regimented napping in order to make it through a nighttime investigation. If I can sleep during the day, I can do it. I I cried at West Virginia. Like, we were just from pure exhaustion because it was back to back to back. And it was like not like the locations were super close to each other because Moundsville is four hours away from Williamson. So I did like two hours of sleep after the penitentiary, got up, drove four hours to Williamson, did another investigation at Old Hospital on College Hill, slept for another three hours, got back in the car, drove three hours to Weston to go to Trans-Allegheny. It was a mess. I, we got we were in this little sports bar, me and our, two of my friends before heading to the hospital and all of a sudden, like, the door bangs open and Steve comes in with the Gateway Paranormal Boys and they're all, like, rowdy and, like, pumped up. I just start sobbing because I can't take it. I'm just like, this is too much. I am also an exhaustion crier. <laughs> I, like, that's what I like to call it. When I'm too tired, I cry. <laughs> I literally went to the bathroom and my friend Brittany had to come in and be like, all right, so dinner's on me. Go to the car. Like, it's all good. I'm like, I finished my cocktail. And she was like, you don't need to be drunk and exhausted at this investigation, Toronto. And I was like, I think I do. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't sleep. Like, I, I can go, like, an average night's sleep for me is four to five hours. So, like, no problem like I can go I can do like two hours a night for several days in a row and be fine that's psychopath behavior Susan I need to some people drink wine outside of prisons and listen to podcasts some of us just don't sleep it is what it is and I do both (laughs) and here's the thing and some of you you Caroline doesn't watch Scooby-Doo which is also (laughs) psychopath behavior okay fair fair (laughs) fair I'm gonna try what would happen if, like, a serial killer was holding a gun to your head and was like, sing the what to do, Scooby-Doo thing, you're dead. Scooby-Doo-be-doo, 
Where are you? That's not what's new Scooby-Doo, ma'am. Okay. That's the OG one. Okay. Okay, but so, it's so funny that you say that because um, I'm currently on a cast for a local play. We're doing Clue. Um, we're mm-hmm. postponed right now because of COVID, but when we were having in-person rehearsals, um, we literally would just burst into the What's New Scooby-Doo song, like, nightly. Yeah. <laughs> it's become, like, a theme. <laughs> As someone who has done musical theater and stage acting my whole life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Clue is a lot of fun, and it's even more fun with a whole group of people that will just spontaneously sing What's New Scooby-Doo. So. That's cool. <laughs> See, I've done Rocky Horror several years now um, during spooky season. Obviously not these past couple years because of <laughs> COVID. But um, there would be moments where we would, like, create our own musical numbers for, like, other horror shows and, like, horror comedies. And we'd be like, let's turn it into a musical. Didn't work out very well. We tried our best. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Happened. And you know we had one guy who could do the whole you know clown dance at one point. It was just it was we tried we tried. The our thing best. is when you get a bunch of theater kids together, there's just no telling what's going to happen next. It's it's uh, this is how I knew like Steve was too far gone to be saved. I was telling him like oh I'm prepping for an audition. I'm going to be singing Cell Block Tango, and he didn't respond for like ten minutes. And, like, even, like, non-theater people will know what Cell Block Tango is because Chicago is such, like, the film version of Chicago is so well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, he texted me back 10 minutes later. He's like, sorry, I had to go look up what that was. And I was like, I give up. Oh, Steve. Throw it in the towel. Should we have him on the podcast just to try and redeem himself? Only if I can be there to counter every time he tries to redeem himself. Okay. <laughs> We could probably make that happen. That could probably work. I think that could work. <laughs> Just don't tell him that I'm going to be here too. Otherwise he'll run. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you have any other like location stories you wanted to tell us? Not from the Pacific Northwest. Those are the ones that like I've, you know, spent time at and like yeah. know a bit about. Um, you know, obviously if you want to venture a little bit farther down south, like to Nevada, like, I've been, you know, to Virginia City. We could talk about, like, the Haunted Museum and, like, Haunted Vegas and stuff. Um. I tried so hard. I went to Vegas over the summer with my husband, and then we did the Grand Canyons. We were there for, like, a week or so. I tried so hard to find haunted stuff, and I just couldn't. None of it seemed legit. So, there's Rylight Ghost Town in Beatty, Nevada. Um, and that's... I've been there several times and I love it out there. The it's not something that I would say is like certifiably haunted, if you will. Um, but I've definitely had experiences out there. It's in the middle of the desert. There's so there's really no interference from anything out there. And I was standing in one of the the ruin of the old buildings. It was a mining, a gold mining town in 1906. I think that's maybe one of the ones that Chris and I talked about while you were on vacation, Caroline. Oh, maybe. Because we did talk about um, specifically hauntings in California and, like, even more specifically anything tied to gold mining. Because that's some, our friend Chris, who sometimes comes on with us and who co-hosted with me while Caroline was on vacation, lives in California and is he is into, like, prospecting and panning for gold and that kind of stuff. So I was like, let's let's, like, 
let's go down that road. And we did talk about how there were ghost towns that you can just like go visit in California. Well, so this one isn't in California, it's in Nevada, but it's super, super cool. And then if you go another like hour out, you've got Tonopah. So you've got the Clown Motel, the Tonopah Cemetery, the Mitzpah Hotel. Um, I wish I would have Clown Motel. I wish I would have known all this before we went out there. Clown Motel freaks me out. That's like the best. Like if you if you're gonna be murdered, like it's gonna be at the Clown Motel. So here's the thing. So I, as somebody who's been to like both the Clown Motel and the Mitzpah Hotel, um, the Clown Motel is just not worth it. Like I, you know, I brought I, I brought all my equipment in there. Like I didn't sleep a wink. Like it was not. It wasn't even like clown. Oh, there was a, yeah, but like, even outside of that, like the experience wasn't great either. Yeah. Like if you're going to go to a haunted hotel, you, if, even if you don't get any evidence, you at least want to have like a nice-ish experience there. Not it. I want to stay in a nice hotel pretty much is my yeah. thing. Then go to the mitzvah because it's nice and haunted. Perfect. Um, But yeah, and then obviously you have like, you know, the haunted museum uh, and stuff like that. Um, if you want to know my tea about Zach Bagans, oh, I'm so glad you circled back to that because we definitely want to know. Yeah. So my two guides at St. Ignatius, if you've watched that Ghost Adventures episode, were the two guides that were interviewed on the show. And Zach only spent an hour in the building. Really? Left. He should be ashamed of it. And so all the footage was gotten by one of the guide's sons and Jay. It makes you think that he probably does that all the time. I will say that I have, I've thought that on multiple occasions because when you start watching the cuts, it's like, I don't feel like y'all have been here this long. Yeah. So I've met Zach a couple times when I've been to his museum. I think you told me this. I'm going to stick with the story that he hates me. And I'm just going to wear that badge with pride. Because he definitely hated me, at least for the time that he popped (laughs) in the tour that I went on. Because I hope to God he remembers this. Because if I come up to him again and he doesn't remember this happened, I'm going to be heartbroken. And I'm going to do it all over again just to replicate that feeling. Because, you know, he popped in on the tour, as he, you know, does in his creepy, awkward way. And he was talking about one of the artifacts and how this case was like so certifiably like demonic and all of this. And I looked at him. So I was like, hey, question, question. Um, And I was like, so you went through the Catholic Church, right? You had them do an investigation so you can go around saying that this case was demonic, right? Because obviously that doesn't look very good if this, you know, wasn't actually investigated by the church and you're going around saying that it was demonic. And he like, I just kicked him in the balls. I'm glad you called him out. Me too. <laughs> Girl. So I hope to God that dude remembers that that happened. Because if he doesn't, I'm going to be, I'm going to die. Like I said, I did it once and I'll do it again. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I would if someone called me out like that, especially in front of other people. Yeah. And it's but like, better question. Like, why hasn't he done that? Because I mean, that's who else do you go to that's an authority on demonic possession? if not the Catholic church. It's more so it's like, I'm all in favor of you saying you have a theory that whatever 
happening at this place was demonic. It was the way, granted, I definitely could have phrased it a little bit nicer. Because, like, I get it. He is He's in Hollywood. He has a duty to produce a show that grabs the audience's attention. I get what that, too. What I don't appreciate is when you're going around saying that this was absolutely demonic. Because, like, there are so many other words and terms that you can use to get the same Hollywood pull. Malevolent. Evil bad even is like will grab people more than that like yeah and it's like to be fair it's like maybe it was demonic maybe he was absolutely like the dude's been doing it a lot a lot longer than I have I'll never pretend that he has more experience on so many more levels than I ever will and so maybe it absolutely was demonic but I it rubs me the wrong way when any investigator no matter how long you've been doing it or who you are brings religion into it without involving the church. (laughs) The other thing that always rubs me the wrong way is when people say things like, as though it is a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, wait, let's take one step back and just remember that we don't know. We don't know for sure what causes us to see ghosts, to hear things, to, we don't know. There may come a time that we're able to scientifically explain this with something very mundane. We don't know right now. We're just, everybody's going on. Everybody is developing theories and that's what they all are. So when somebody says this is X, as opposed to this is what I experienced, or this is my theory. I just kind of like, I think this partially comes back to, me being a big fan of the original like season one, season two ghost hunters where their whole thing was not to put on a show that showed you evidence of the paranormal. It was to go and debunk paranormal claims. Well, like if you go back to like the OG ghost adventures, it was kind of the same deal because Mm -hmm. Zach Aaron used to debunk themselves to a fault Mm-hmm. And that that used to like when I first started watching it, I used to be like, but wait a minute, I hear you debunking this. But I feel like if you look a little bit closer, like there may be something more to what you're seeing, like possibly they were so right. everything. And now it's like the complete opposite, which is why I've kind of fell out of love with Ghost Adventures. Same. You're on your what almost 30th season by now, like dudes, like at some point. Like, you just got to, like, accept that you're not going to get the same stuff. And, like, you got to (laughs) stop. I've I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it one more time. My favorite thing about Ghost Adventures is the positive, like, they are, like, the most wholesome bro dudes. Because they, like, half of what they do is like crying and talking about their feelings. And I just feel like that is so positive. (laughs) Like it is the, as much as they are like such bros, they're also kind of the opposite of toxic masculinity because they're like, their whole thing is like, what what are we feeling? How do we feel about it? Like getting like kind of into that and then like being very supportive of each other when something happens. So that is my hands down favorite thing, regardless of what else they do is that they're like, like it's a it's a solid example of the fact that like you can be like a tough guy but also be like in touch with your feelings and like supportive of your friends guy you can be both <laughs> exactly 
exactly. And that's like one of the big reasons, like I don't watch the show as much anymore, but that's one of the reasons that I liked Destination Fear when it first came out, because like a, they're more in like a younger age group, you know, they're in their twenties and B it's real fear. It's not a bunch of guys going, what up demons? It's me. It's your boy. Come at me. <laughs> there's screaming. There's crying. There's confusion. There's being like, I think I just got that on camera. I have no idea, but we need to go look. This is like, this is so cool. I think I got it on camera. And like stuff like that, that you actually experience in an actual investigation. I have not watched that, but I can see where you're coming from as far as like the more like what a real investigation is like if you're not a bunch of people who investigate like for a living. Well, yeah. And it's like, cause like, that's how I am. It's like, if I catch something on my digital recorder that I think is an EVP, I run around the entire building going, where's everyone? Everyone needs to listen to this right now. It's so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause I'm so proud of that. And it's like, if I see a shadow figure, I'm going to shit myself and run. I'm not going to be like, I saw a shadow. I'm gonna get you, boy. Like, you hide it. Like, it's just. I feel like I might do both. I don't know. It's gonna depend on the day. <laughs> it's gonna depend on the day. Like, ever since. I mean, there are days that I would just be like, you know what? Bring it. And then there are days that I would be like, uh, no, I'm out. I'm not interested. Bye bye. Ever since Waverly Hills, it was like a massive reality check for how I investigate. And. I've just toned it down so much since that night because that humbled me so hard. I had the worst night I've ever had as an investigator at Waverly Hills. And it was just like a big, massive, yeah, you've been doing this a long time. Yeah, you are still very susceptible to bad things happening to you. So sit down and take a chill pill. <laughs> like Sometimes you need that. Yeah, definitely. Hannah, before we do our outro and in this first of all I loved having you on I love your energy like so much you fun. remind me of Courtney so much I love it but I want you to plug your um social media so people can find you yeah um my Instagram is such an under uh, such a spooky underscore b and my TikTok is the same um I'm a little bit more active on Instagram than I am on TikTok I'll be real I'm trying um, but I do have a bunch of investigations coming up in a couple weeks. I'll be out in Vermont at Wilson castle with Courtney. So we'll both be out there. And then a couple weeks after that, I'll be at Madison seminary in Fairfield County infirmary in Ohio. So there'll be lots of Instagram lives coming up and lots of content. So follow along for stuff on there for sure. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun guys. We loved Definitely. it. Do you want to, hang out while I do our outro real quick? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you so much for the continued support. Please find and follow us at Wildwood Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you're looking for bonus content, early episode releases, and free merch, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. We're running out of listener stories, so if you have any weird or, like, creepy stories that happen to you, please email us at wildwoodpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, all stories start somewhere. Be wild, stay woke, and question everything.